from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. You throw a gif on there? Oh, if I throw a gif? Like, that means something. I love bears doing human things. Right. I don't like bears being bears. Right. We're not going to do handwritten notes. God, no. Jesus. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company. Today is going to be intense, but also super loose. It's a weird show, man. <laughs> it's a weird show. We always talk about how much we love the summer months because we can kind of just go all over the place. And you want to talk about a sports world right now that is all over the place. we got crazy stories with the Saudi back golf league. We've got a baseball team that had some dudes on the team who didn't want to wear a uh, pride patch. So they came out with a statement. We have 11 teams in the NFL starting their mandatory mini camp, including the Raiders this week. And then I don't think we've had a day where we've had more wedding stories <laughs> to get into. It was a big wedding weekend. It was a, apparently this is a big wedding weekend. Well, it's smart. It's smart. What do we always say? This is when you do weddings. And if you do weddings, I mean, for us, if you do weddings, basically between August, like for you, late July through like March or I guess even May, there's only like two months for yeah. us where we're like, all right, we're kind of free and clear, but the rest of the time it's football and basketball. Don't blank with the schedule. Yeah. And also on a side note, it's also wedding season because uh, in the case of at least one of the weddings that we're going to talk about today, this was like the fourth time it was scheduled. Oh, really? Because it was so COVID so pushed it back. Yeah, yeah. So right. I think a lot of people are getting married right now just because they haven't been able to do it over the last two years. Awesome. Awesome. Steve Cofield, Adam Hill is the company. I'm not even sure if I introduced Adam as we are uh, live in both the Finley Toyota Studios and our uh, favorite studio in town with one of our buddies, Justin Watkins, in the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. So with all that's going on, I do want to get this in real quick because I thought it was interesting. It happened on Saturday. The Running Rebels land a high school commit, which wouldn't be big news, but it was the first one they landed, and they did make a run at a bunch of different guys. They had a commit at one point from a top 75 player, and in a weird move, I guess it's not that weird. He, I know he was heavily recruited by Carlin Hartman, who went to Florida, but then was not going to Florida. Like, I thought that was the obvious choice. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure Carlin Hartman would never do that to Kevin Kruger, you know, after he left for the Florida job. So um, they wound up losing that commit to Georgia. And they've been on a bunch of big guys. They haven't gotten any of the true 6'10", 6'11", dudes. Losing out to uh, schools like Wazoo. And then there was this kid, Keyshawn Hall, who I saw talking about his recruitment from UNLV back in like January. And he just decided over the weekend to pick. And the whole time I was watching it, I'm like, this kid's got a lot of schools on his list. Like they're not all the biggest names, but he wound up picking UNLV over St. Mary's which is a good program. Yeah. And St. Mary's got the Jefferson kid from town who virtually, I, I mean, I don't know that they're identical, but size wise, Jefferson is the third of the Jefferson brothers who, you know, one was a gigantic college football lineman. So was the other one who played at UNLV and they're both like, you know, 
six four to six six and you know three hundred pounds plus. Um, the third Jefferson kid is about six seven two fifty with face up skills. So little, anyways, little so, guy. I mean that that's yeah. the funny thing. He is yeah. the little guy. The three brothers, and I think their I think their dad was six nine or six ten and like three fifty. Um, so I guess they're all little as in comparison or six, nine. Anyway, so Keyshawn Hall is who they got over the weekend. The rebels, they beat out St. Mary's beat out Arizona state and Missouri. So good get, but you know, college basketball has changed so much. What do you think when schools are landing freshmen, like they used to do, this used to be a big deal to get three or four freshmen in every class. And now I'm looking at it. I'm like, is this how you want to build like at all anymore? By getting like getting real freshmen, it's it's a bizarre world. It's changed so much. It has, but I think you can mix them in. I, I think you know for the most part, schools that you know land like six or seven freshmen, you're like, ah, I don't know about that. But if you're mixing them in with a couple of transfers here and there, and that's part of your class, I think that works. What if they can't play the first year, and you're bringing them bringing them in developmental, almost to the point where you're going to redshirt them? That's my worry. And then they're going to leave and go somewhere else. That's the danger, right? Yeah. Is it seems like if guys don't get playing time right away, and hell, even if they do, they leave. Um, that no one has the patience to stay at one school. So I, I think it's a really interesting game right now for college coaches and how they're going to build a program. So I think this is a good get. I hope he's here as a contributor right away. I don't know that he can contribute size-wise. They need a little more size, um, and hopefully he sticks it out. It's, that's a weird way to talk about like a top 200 kid, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, college basketball has changed very much. We know, we know that for sure. Uh, but, I, I mean, again, if you, if you go get a kid who – you know, and you can't predict this. You don't know how it's going to work. But if you go get a kid that you can develop for a year, and then he starts to play much more as a sophomore, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, an emerging star by the time he's a junior. Like that's what you want. That's how you want to do it. You just, well, there's just so much uncertainty now. The Mountain West has been built. The good programs have been built by keeping guys around for three and four years, and then you augment right in the transfer portal. Like San Diego State is able to keep a lot of guys around, but they're very heavy in the transfer portal. Obviously, Colorado State and Wyoming rose quickly through the ranks because they had guys stay together. For two and three years, it's the way to to put on an NFL level. It, it's the way I was actually literally just having this conversation with somebody over the weekend. Um, the proper way, like what San Diego State has done, and it's what you're just referencing. It's you build a program, you've got a bunch of guys, and then it's like, all right, we need that one big guy or two big guys to add to this mix that makes it right. That's what the Rams did with Matt Stafford. They built the team and then said, all right, now here's our quarterback to plug in. That's what the Lions are trying to do right now. They're just building every other position. Like, all right, we'll just let golf handle things until it's time to plug in that quarterback that'll really help us go to the next level. Like, that's that's kind of the NFL mold now. Yeah, Rebels have brought in transfers from, uh, let's see, Jackie Johnson from Duquesne, a small guard, a 6'4 guard in Eli Parquet from Colorado, EJ Harkless, 6'5", 6'6", from Oklahoma, Luis Rodriguez, 6'5", 6'6", from Ole Miss, and then Isaiah Cottrell came home, former Bishop Gorman player from West Virginia, and now they've added this kid, uh, this kid, Keyshawn Wells, and they still have two openings. And by the way, one other transfer note over the weekend. Good news. Marvin Coleman actually landed as a grad transfer at Evansville. Yeah. So I hope it works out for him. I think That'd we're all hoping. Yes. Um, and we'll see what the Rebels do with the, the other two slots. And meanwhile, we haven't really talked a whole lot about Rebel football. I think my count, we'll see when they officially come out with new numbers, because I don't think we'll really get those until maybe – July, although a lot of guys, a lot of the transfers and new recruits can report now. Um, I'm, <laughs> believe it or not, I think they're at 32 new in and 24 players out. That's a lot of turnover. Yeah. And I think football is going to be an even bigger challenge, mixing in new guys 
And, you know, with the portal, like people want to play right away. Well, in football, it's not as easy to play. right. I don't think it's as easy to play right away. So we'll see how it works out. Uh, we got a series. We got a series. Not that <laughs> anyone believed that the Celtics were going to wipe out Golden State, but Golden State. Oh, had I heard it um, from anyone you respect. No, okay. I, mean, I heard it. Yeah. I mean, that's social media blabber. Sure. Uh, blabber. Oh, and, and group text blabber. People coming at me about my dubs getting swept. Oh, stop. Knock I mean, it now, off. Now it's double troll. You're trolling yeah, them and they're trolling right back. Knock it off, people. Uh, Steph Curry, awesome. Uh, clearly, the Celtics weren't going to make nine three-pointers again in the fourth quarter. So what would you say? Uh, I, well, I thought Draymond Green really – listen, I know we, we talk about him back and forth, and he you saw the good and the bad last night, of course, as you usually do. Uh, but I thought – and he said this after the game of him – really answering the call, especially defensively. On offense, he was just setting like blocks like a pulling guard, and uh, that's that's a different story for a different time of when you started allowing just moving screens at that level. Uh, but I, th- I thought he came out and really just got in, got in people's face defensively um, and, and just kind of set a tone. I mean, Tatum went off, but that didn't really matter because they kind of limited everybody else. They got – they harassed guys defensively, especially – as I said, Draymond Green, and I thought uh, that set the tone uh, for them to do what they do in the third quarter of finals games, which is absolutely take over and dominate, which was you know, not what happened, obviously, last time in the fourth quarter, but the third quarter has been the Warriors' quarter in the finals, and it was once again yesterday. We'll have JVT and John Von Tobel in the middle of the show to break down the finals, talk about some other NBA stories. Uh, we do have to bring up, though, your comment on Draymond Green setting moving screens oh. and his behavior again in the game. And this is something I pointed out so many times and people call me a Draymond hater, but I'm just pointing out the fact that he does get away with a lot. And, you know, one of the former, you know, big time officials in the NBA said, yeah, and we're okay with that. Wait, what? Well, we encourage it. it but it wasn't just about him. That's the, cra- it's, it's a whole policing a whole the superstars and maybe even the hotheads differently. Yeah. Well, and what we've always known also. I mean, in addition to that of, hey, look, you got to understand the situation of the game. No, you don't. It's not your job. Right. It's really not. Certain fouls aren't called at certain times on certain guys, Yeah, basically. Like, clearly, that was a – clearly, Draymond Green should have been a double technical, a situation where he gets involved. That's what you do 99.9% of the time. Mm-hmm. And then they say, well, we also understand he already had one. We're not going to do that. That's going to – you know, what? What? Yeah. Don't you think the what? player? Don't you think the player knows that superstar on down to guys like Draymond Green? The players know that. In yeah. most cases, they they know they're the ones who can push it even further and get away with it. Yeah, and and look, I, we've always known they do it. It's just I don't, and maybe we credit them for actually saying it, and so everybody is on the same page. I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a soccer fan, as you know. Like they do it in soccer too. Yeah, where it's like all right. I would have ordinarily given this guy a yellow card, but he already had one. This would eliminate him. This wasn't bad enough to eliminate him. It was just bad enough for a yellow card. No, no that's not how you officiate. Yeah. And, and you know, now officials are saying, yeah, that is how we officiate. That's what we do. Like, that's not how it's supposed to go. NFL minicamps, as I mentioned, 11 of them are opening up. Raiders are one of them. This is mandatory? Yeah. And it's tomorrow through Thursday, correct? Uh, yep, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three days. I know you. I don't think you do this, but I've seen others tracking uh, the OTA so far about who's been there and who hasn't. Well, you, I usually do. They're just too far away. Explain that. Uh, you, so usually, I mean, what you do is you go out to practice. 
Um, every day there's a new roster with because roster change every day. By the way, in the NFL, I don't, I don't, I know people understand there's always adds and subtractions, but literally almost every day that's, there's at least one change to a roster. So you get the roster, you go out there, you mark off who's there, who's not. Um, as we said, the again, this is not a complaint. I, I know it comes off as one. It's not this administration has decided you're not going to see anything and they're going to practice way on the like i think when you were out there it was the second field well explain, last time explain it was the, the third setup field. to people who haven't been out there so we used to be on the essentially what would be the baseline of the three fields right. so you can walk from end zone to end zone of all right. three fields right. and see what's going on right. now we were we are on the sideline of field one so they are now practicing on field three and then lining up everybody on the sideline blocking us with their back to us blocking us <laughs> So we can't see anything that's going on. Again, I'm just pointing out what's happening. It's not a complaint. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I only I will, say this because I will, I will jump in because because you made the comment like from I used to do that, but you know we really can't see anything now. I have noticed in some of the press conferences, some of the media people flashing what seems to be intimate knowledge of what they're seeing. Yeah, and you know I'm I'm out there every once in a while. I'm not out there like you are. And the day I was there, I'm like I couldn't see anything, and huh? I'm. I'm kind of blind. And listen, this is the way football works, man. Like UNLV football practice, we get about 25 minutes in the morning. We get to watch stretching for a good portion of it. And then they'll go through some drills and then we're gone for 90 minutes. Yeah. And then we come back later in the day. And that's kind of what the Raiders have set up so far. Uh, you can watch around 10, 15 for a little bit. And then, you know, you can stay out there, but you can't really see. And then the press availability is at 12, 15. But keep going because you were talking about trying to track players. Yeah, you know, so who usually, are there, who's not there? Usually, you try to take attendance. Yeah. Um, and I know if you notice, I just, I just, I'm not doing it right now, just because, like I said, you can't really right. see most of the guys. Um, so you don't want to. What you don't want to do is like, oh, I didn't see this guy out there, and he was out there, and like he right. was, he was just blocked by everybody else. <laughs> like you don't want to do that. No but you have seen, if you notice, as you said, some of the guys are saying like, oh, I saw this, I saw that. No, you didn't. Like I was out there. No, you didn't see that. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You just want to kind of sound like you're inside, and then. Um, I see people taking attendance and putting a caveat like I just didn't see this person out there. Like I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like I, I don't think that's fair to a player to be like I didn't see him out there. And then everybody's like, "Well, why wasn't he there?" Um, that's it, it, a tough and, situation. And, and for the OTAs, it could be they're not at the facility at all, or maybe they're just inside. Sure, and they don't come out. And you know, we saw a little bit of uh, Denzel Good as he's trying to work back to health. I mean, there might be some days that he doesn't come out at all. Well, that's some the days other... he's outside running. Other days he might be inside doing his work. That's the other thing. And again, I preface this all every time we talk about it by saying like I I'm not complaining about. It. I know we don't. That's just that's just the reality of the situation. Where in the past we've done like a play of the day every day and put, <laughs> you know put that in the paper. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Like you just can't see what's going on, yeah. um, and um, so every so inevitably every time there's a practice, like there was the last couple of weeks, I'll get the the DMs and the emails. Hey, what'd you see out there? And I just respond, I'm like, I, I didn't. So that's all. That's all the only reason I'm saying it because we're not seeing what's going on. So I, I wasn't doing the attendance, and we're probably not going to do a play of the day that sort of thing. But we will we'll be out there, and uh, and trying to check things out. And the other thing is in the past. So as you mentioned, like you just don't know where guys are necessarily. Well, if we're on the the baseline, what I'm saying, like behind the field, we're also at the gym and at the pool. Like those things are are over there, so you can see who's in the gym and who's in the pool. And like, okay, well they're here. They're just they're just working out, you know, on their own. Now you can't even see that. So there's really not so, much you can bring. So long story short, my question was, who has not been there? Was Jacobs around the last couple of weeks? I didn't see him. Okay, it doesn't sound like <laughs> yeah. anyone saw him. Um, you just wonder going into camp if there's going to be any sort of 
his longevity in terms of his well, I, th- I think they're man- I think so with him they're managing like like he he's he gets yeah. beat up every single game so there's no sense in running him into the ground yeah. at all I, I don't and this is not a knock on him I don't remember a game where he wasn't hurt yeah. at some point in the game and again he fights through it and he plays and he's out there every single week uh, but pretty much every game he leaves with some sort of injury because he that's just his style he runs so hard and and physical it's just it's just a you know a collision every single play so I think they're just managing his body in the offseason We'll get more on what to expect in this mini camp. There's 11 of them opening up right now, and some of the best storylines uh, I think are the Packers, and I'll name the other teams, some of the more intriguing points. And we'll get to Adams' most important points aside from, uh, you know, we'll see if Jacobs is out there, if they're managing him. We'll get to Adams' biggest points for the Raiders this week in minicamp. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Oh. question of this is this just going to be a cross check or a major board now back to Cofield and company in the Finley Toyota studio well it should have been just a cross check but that's my take we'll get into it this series has kind of turned out to be a dud Edmonton Colorado I mean I, I thought the abs were you know we're going to make the Stanley Cup final and we'd have abs lightning which we'll talk about Gallant and the Rangers and the lightning in a little bit um, I didn't know the Avs, you know, were potentially going to freaking steamroll the Oilers, and now they can get out of it tonight with a clean sweep. And by the way, you can hear the game. All our hockey conference final play-by-play is over on twelve thirty. The game, one of our sister stations, that'll start up at four thirty. So, what do you make of the series, and what do you make of that hit? Because uh, I, I, I think these are fascinating situations because they're both villains. So people are going to you know, be super opinionated about sure. Kane and Kadri. So. As far as the series, I mean, we thought all year just watching games, even if they didn't have the best record necessarily, Colorado was the best team in the league. I mean, they were right there uh, as the best team in the league all season long, and it seemed like they were the best team. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make it. Like, the best team doesn't win all the time. And so I think it's been impressive that they've been able to get through to this point and to beat Edmonton the way that they have. When Edmonton came in, like, yeah, they – they got hot at the end of the year when they changed coaches and they came in riding some momentum and they've been really good in the playoffs, mostly because that top line is so explosive and dominant, but Colorado's figured out a way in the first game. They saw like, okay, this team is very dangerous. So I think they adjusted what they did and they said, all right, we're just going to play a different, different style of game, play our game a little bit more, slow it down. Cause Colorado can play that shootout up and down style, but they said, all right, we'll play a different way because we'll limit their opportunities a little bit. They've been absolutely, um, brilliant and how they've been defending McDavid the last two games hasn't worked all the time because he's going to get loose but uh, they've been much much better in that area and they showed why they are the best team in the league Uh, in terms of the hit you can't do it near the boards if that's in the middle of the ice it's fine I didn't even think it was that close to the boards I didn't think he did it where like his next action was like a one step slamming into the boards I I thought it was kind of a flop maybe a little I mean he hit him pretty hard and it's also ice. Like you have to, you have I get to it. That. I get uh, it. But I, I think this is a case where you've, first of all, Kadri, this is going to sound weird, but I think Kadri has carried some favor because of the stuff that the St. Louis fans are doing to him, the yeah. racist stuff. Um, and now you basically have to pick, like, who's more evil, Kane or Kadri, and people hate Evander Kane. They're just looking to jump on him. They do. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm not here to say, like, he's a great guy or anything. I just, 
I didn't think it was that vicious. They hate Kadri too. So I mean, it's like it is lesser of two evils. But I just explained it to you. It's like he he Kadri's been on the other side of it a couple of times now, and whether I mean, it's the fans or a hit, and so some people are going to side with Kadri. But in, I, in the end, like yeah, it's it sucks that he that if he if it was a flop or it wasn't that bad, whatever that he would that he's going to miss a game. But won't they take that trade? I mean, Kadri's out for the playoffs, so if and they haven't ruled that yet, but he had surgery today. I, I can't imagine he's coming back. So I think you take that trade if you're Edmonton. <laughs> One game for, compared to the rest of the series, potentially? Yeah. Probably. If, if, if there is a rest of the series, right? Right. So if you, if you can survive this game at home, then all of a sudden you've got your guy back and they don't have their guy back. Like, that probably is a trade that you would take, I, w- I would think. But I, I also I don't like suspending somebody just because somebody's hurt or right. out. Like, right. that doesn't, you know, results shouldn't... Uh, results shouldn't matter, uh, but you know that it does, and I think that was part of what happened here. And, and Evander Kane is a reputation and a history, and, and that plays into it. Let's open the ticket window three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Caller number seven. We've got the uh, Not Fest Road Show with Slipknot and special guest Cypress Hill. It's Friday, June seventeenth, MGM Grand Garden Arena. You can get your own tickets at axs.com. But right now we've got a pair for Slipknot and Cypress Hill three six four eleven hundred. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Swung on! Crushed! He's done it! How about that? Four heroics into the second deck as Bryce Harper has tied this game on a 3-2 pitch here in the bottom of the eighth inning. It's 6-6 to on Harper's sixth career grand slam. Unbelievable. Oh, my. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Boy, oh, boy. I guess that was all Joe Girardi, huh? Holding him back? We'll get into that with Dave Koken. Dave's a big baseball guy, so we'll talk baseball with Dave. But that was Bryce Harper, hometown hero. That got the Phillies back into the game. They... You know, wound up blowing the tie game, and then Bryson Stott came up and won it for him late. Uh, that call was awesome. That was Phillies radio. Uh, you got to hear the Bryson Stott call. They were fired up. So the Vegas connection gets it done. So we like to talk about hometown heroes all the time. Kevin Na, hometown hero? Um, you weren't in last week when we, we started talking about – because I think Kevin Na decided on Friday – um, and Thursday, we addressed this whole Saudi league because they've got their first event coming up where they need, I think, 48 golfers. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, they have 42 commitments. And Dustin Johnson is in. And I like Dustin Johnson. You know, he's he's I mean, he's super rich, but, you know, he's got regular guy problems. Uh, Pauline Negretzky is not a problem. Um, but I love that he's like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I, I think uh, a month ago when we talked about this, um, I got caught up a little bit in the fact that it was Phil Mickelson, and it's just hard to like anything Phil Mickelson does. And when Mickelson and Norman were both like, "Well, you know, mistakes are made," it was just it was so poorly phrased when they talked about the Saudis and their yeah. human rights violations and murdering Khashoggi. Well, it's, it's that- poor, but be clear, it's poorly phrased on purpose, for the most part. I mean, Phil's comments got out just because it was a book thing and it wasn't public. It wasn't really for the public to hear necessarily. No, I, I don't. The, the poor phrasing of it was basically like, you know, the Saudis are bad, but the PGA, 
right? That's that's kind of the way I took it. And I was like, well, and I believe me, I got PGA, not like I have inside dope or anything, but I've got some problems with the PGA as well. And now that we're seeing more and more golfers, and Kevin Na's a Vegas guy, he's he's lived here for a long time, and hey, he's it, it actually it didn't come out Friday, it came out Saturday because no, did whenever, whatever after I think after a round or two, he was like, I'm out of this tournament, I'm out of this tournament, I'm going to the Saudi League. I don't know what he's guaranteed, but I mean, the money they're throwing around is ridiculous. And I keep seeing people say blood money. And the more I thought about it last week, I'm like, what position are we in as Americans in the media to talk about another country and blood money? Yeah. I'm like, we have some, we have some major balls to like stand on a pedestal and point a finger and, and brand everyone who's involved with this as taking blood money. Believe me, there's a lot of things the PGA has done over the years in terms of lack of support for like real causes where they could have forced change. Yeah. So it's not some, it's not some golf league without its own faults. And now I think we're on the verge of Ricky Fowler going, which that's gigantic. Mickelson's come out with a statement and I, I don't even know if I want to read it because it's going to annoy me again, but I, this is, this is such a fascinating story because this league has so much money. Greg Norman said the other day, and I don't know if this has been verified by anyone else, that Tiger Woods got a nine-figure offer, and he he said a high nine-figure offer. You start like, you know, like the the cow. Wait, what? Wait, hundreds of millions? Dustin Johnson well, high, maybe high nine-figure yeah. would imply over five hundred million. Right. Okay. So then we're talking about Dustin Johnson and, and getting one hundred twenty-five million. To be clear, like I think people. People are like, well, he's already got a lot of money. He's made a lot of money. From I, I think I looked it up the other day, and I, I've forgotten. I think he's made 110 million on tour in winnings. So if it was 500 million, and it sounds like it's more, right? That's five times what he's made just in guaranteed appearance money. I, I'm never going to look at someone and go, "You already have enough money." No, but that's what I'm saying. I, I'm like, yeah, that's that's. It's not like a, a, an insignificant amount, even to Tiger Woods, who's wealthy beyond his wildest dreams. It's still way more than he could have ever made on the PGA Tour. In terms of just prize money, um, it's 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 fascinating. And to your point, it's it is difficult to make false equivalencies sometimes. I mean, and you could say, hey, the PGA Tour has been very behind in a lot of issues. Um, certainly, they were behind in a lot of uh, you know diversity and and racial issues. They were way behind on those things. They've been way behind on a lot of things and and on, on a lot of causes. They didn't actively like murder people. Like th that is different. It is different. <laughs> okay. I mean, if you contribute to certain causes and embrace certain people sure. indirectly, I think you are. It, but that again, it's indirect. You could be right, and I, I, I'm, I'm with you, and I, I completely get annoyed at times when people are like, "These other countries, like, yeah, our countries right. are a lot too, right. like for right. sure." And I, I think it's really easy for, especially people in the media, and we're not all the same. So I hate that this, you know, this that we're all one group. I think it's really easy for people to. You know, make blanket statements about blood money about a country that no one is going to defend, but they're afraid to say anything about what goes on here. They're afraid yeah. to take on causes here. Right. They're afraid to make statements about what goes on here. Yeah, and we and people make the same attacks about you know the NBA will say a lot of things about issues going on here, but won't speak up about China because they make money from China and China will shut them out. By like, the way, have you heard have you heard one politician? Because this is the kind of thing that absolutely I I would think would play to a base. Have you heard one politician? Bring up Phil Mickelson or Greg Norman or American golfers involved with the Saudis. No, they're not going to. No, but I mean, is it blood money? I mean, this is something you got to speak out on. 
Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. It's money complicates a lot of things. Especially when it's this much. Yeah. The kind of money they're throwing around, it, this is insane. And, Rick, and Ricky Fowler basically didn't didn't shut the door. And I saw some, you know, golf channel people today are like, oh, looks like he might be in it. Maybe I missed it in the last two hours. Well, he what? might be in it. And then what does a PGA do? Start banning people. Please start banning people. I can't wait to see this happen. Well, and then I saw some guy. I don't know if he was kidding. I don't know who he is, honestly. Uh, Grayson Murray. He said, uh, like I said on the range in Mexico, you won't be missed, Kevin Na. PGA Tour, uh, our rounds just got 20 minutes faster. And your reputation as Kevin Na is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Is this sarcasm? Or is this like there's going to be people speaking out against Kevin Na? And by the way, real ballsy to go out, you know, after Kevin Na. Let's see what happens <laughs> when I – let's see what happens. If Ricky Fowler joins this thing, go ahead. Let the attacks begin. Well, I would have to imagine. First of all, it, it is – it will be interesting to see what the PGA Tour does because – if they're not going to ban guys, then why wouldn't everybody right. go play? Then? Right. Like they're, so they almost have to. They almost have to to preserve their tour. I mean, if you're if you're a decent level golfer and you can go play in ten events with this much prize money available and guarantees, what what strength does the PGA Tour have? Well, like the, almost none for for major players. Be like, yeah, I'm just going to lighten the schedule. I'm going to make a, a lot more money. So take your league and, and cram it. And I'll, I'll be interested to see what the what the deals look like, what the contracts look like. Because if I if if this tour is smart, and I'm sure they are, they will as part of the guarantee, they'll say you have to play in every event that we say you have to play in, mm-hmm. and then they'll schedule against the Masters, the PGA Championship, yep. and they'll say, all right, so go ahead and watch the Masters. We've got the you know. 22 of the top 25 players in the world not playing in the Masters. So which one are you going to watch? I mean, I love it. smart. That's what they'll do. I mean, I love the competition. I don't love, you know, all of the, uh, you know, the deal with where the money's coming from. But I'm not going to kill guys for going and playing it. No, they'll, they'll you kill want people. To? No, they'll kill people for other reasons. Um, no. So are you mad? Like, are you mad at Kevin Na? No. Like, a guy, no. A guy like Kevin Na, no. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, there is something. There is something different about guys that are as insanely rich as they could have ever imagined, and then still jumping at the money for you know for whatever reason they want to. That that's different. Um, but if you if you're a player like Kevin, who again he's he's made money, plenty of money, but this is a chance for you know generational wealth. So yeah, you would have to you would have to, and and it's real easy to sit back and judge the guys that are doing it. Be like, oh, how could you do that? How could I do that? It's a chance to achieve every goal I ever wanted in my career financially. Why wouldn't I? All right. I opened the link of Phil's statement today. Oh, boy. And already I'm huffing and puffing. I didn't. Is it at least bigger font than the Johnny Depp statement? Yes. He said, first and foremost, I want to again apologize to the many people I offended and hurt with my comments a few months ago. Taking time away and self-reflecting has been very humbling. I need, uh, needed to start prioritizing the people that I love most and, and work on becoming a better version of myself. <clears throat> this, I'm not even going to read through the rest of it. He went away to avoid the heat. Sure. And I'm sure the Saudis were like, listen, if you go away for a couple of months, we're telling you these guys are coming along and then you will not be the only one. So you can come back when it's blown over for you and you'll be fine. I'm sorry. I just don't believe this. I went away. No. No. That I went away to self-reflect and make myself a better person. No. 
You made the – here's the thing. All, all, all the guys, you made the, you're making the decision. Maybe you can explain it a little bit better. I mean, I would love for some of them to come out and just be like, screw off. It's not your business. Yeah, I'm going I, actually, what I, what, actually, what I would love for them to do is say, screw off. It's not your business. But also say, you know what? I know the Saudis have done horrible things. Horrible. And I don't agree with what they've done. But, but, I'm, they but I'm still playing – I'm still playing in their tournaments. And you know what? Here's my cause in the United States. I want fixed. I will give half the money to this cause. That'd be great. But to your point, I don't think they're allowed to say that. Why? I'm sure it's part of the deal that you can't that you can't publicly uh, imagine, speak out. Imagine if Kevin Nod did it, and then he's like, okay, I'm coming back. PGA, and they're like, nope. <laughs> nope, you're out too. Like you're, you're, the you're, rich, but the richest of the rich. Like what For Dustin Johnson. What would happen if he came out and he's like, I'm only going to make one statement on this. First of all, screw off. I'm going to do what I want. Secondly, I agree. The Saudis are scumbags, but I will take their money and I'm going to use it for good causes here in the country. But I'm going to go play golf. I'm going to make a lot of money. And then what the Saudis are going to turn around and go, you're not playing. And then Dustin Johnson's like, okay, Paulina, I'm not going to work a whole lot anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like he, of all the guys who could do it, he could. Sure. And Tiger could eventually if he wants. Tiger to could well. too. Phil Mickelson could. But again, I'm, I'm, again, we don't know this. We haven't seen it. I would be stunned if there's not a disparagement clause in their contracts. I would still try to violate it. Okay. Let's do it. I mean, it defeats the purpose yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like, why, why would you go through all this and then throw your contract away? It doesn't make any sense. I wanted to walk anyway. I got Paulina. doesn't make much sense. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I was just playing golf to stay off drugs. <laughs> Roll the dice. I was just trying to infiltrate them, find out all their secrets. I mean, a guy like Dustin Johnson, there's, aren't there plenty of other tours you could play on and still make a, a living? Like the Corn Ferry Tour? He'd still, be, he'd, tour? Still be, he'd still be welcome at the British. What, what, we don't even know what the British Open's going to do or what the U.S. Open's going to do. They're not the PGA. Sure. So just no. playing two tournaments a year? I mean, if the Masters ever started banning guys, that would be the funniest thing ever. I mean, come on. What, what leg do they have to stand on? They're going to stand on a moral high horse and start sure. wagging a figure on anyone? Get out of here. It's very fair. Coming up, let's get to uh, – What's going on in the world of baseball with Dave Koken? We'll also talk about the ongoing coaching search for VGK and specifically with baseball. I mean, the ump show continues. Uh, the, the weekend game with the Astros, just outrageous. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Victor, Victor, pause it. Get back behind the plate. This is ridiculous. And you're going to go talk to the Astros closer? Oh, man. Way to go, Vic. That, uh, congratulations on that. That is a ridiculous warning. This is just your course for Vic Carapazza. That's embarrassing. Presley gets tossed after warnings are issued on a 2-0 pitch in the ninth inning of a 7-3 game with two outs in the nine-hitter. He gives no Fs, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken. On Cofield and Company. That was the Astros game. The closer, because he lost a pitch inside, got ejected from the game. The the ump stuff, and I know we have a closer eye on it now than ever. Dave Koken's with us. Dave, how you doing, buddy? I'm fine. Uh, I don't remember which game it was, but uh, the announcers were talking about the fact that uh, home plate umpires get like 90% of the balls and strikes correct. And they were lauding them for this. And I'm thinking, 
that might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because most of the pitches are really easy to call. So what it means is they're basically getting about half of them right on the close calls. That's not very good. So what do you think about Presley getting tossed in a 7-3 game because he threw a pitch inside? Uh, that's was Carapaz was the umpire, I believe. Yep. Yeah, yep. Another one of these guys who thinks that fans paid to see him. <laughs> yeah, and then of course the opposing fans are dumb enough because they're caught in the moment that they're you know they're cheering for it. It's like it's going to happen to your guys at some oh, yeah. point. Um, and the, the strike ball thing, I know. Again, I know we're concentrating on it highly, but um, it, it's pretty clear. And I know they're working on the technology. They're really trying to perfect yeah. it in the minors. It, the 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 video ump, whatever the auto ump, the robo ump, it's coming. Absolutely, it's inevitable, and it will be an improvement. Yeah, and then you'll explain to the players, hey, that's that's what the robo ump says. We're not going to argue over balls and strikes, so that's going to be gone. You can you can argue if you want, but now. Hey, I like uh, the home plate ump. I don't have control of it. So, Robom says it's a strike. It's a strike. Says it's a ball. It's a ball. I'll be really interested to see uh, how some of the umpires handle this and whether they stick around or not. You know, someone like Larry Vanover, who's basically, what is he, 80? Um, and uh, he's terrible. He's yeah. just, he's absolutely terrible at this point. Uh, maybe it'll get some of those guys out of the game. What do you think of the Phillies against the Angels? Uh, One of taking care of business, but a big comeback yesterday with the Vegas guys. Well, I enjoyed it uh, because I decided to get out of the Phillies as soon as they fired Girardi, as I do in a lot of sports, where mm. I think coaching changes can kind of just fire up a team for a little bit. So I went 3-0 and with them and uh, got the unexpected win yesterday uh, because that, that game looked like it was going to lose. But you know, Joe Madden's bullpen usage... Comes back to haunt him once again. He hadn't thrown Iglesias in nine days, which is ridiculous. And he was not sharp at all, and he gave up the grand slam to Harper. And then uh, the next guy came in, Hurricane, I guess it was, and he gave up the uh, free run walk off to uh, to start. Great day for the Las Vegas Phillies. No doubt. Is no Madden, doubt. Is Madden, you know, I think this is the last year of his contract anyway. Maybe it's time for the Angels to just make the change right now. Well, Back to back to the Phillies. I mean, you talked about the bump we often see with the yeah. the interim coach or the new coach. I mean, do you think this is sustainable for them? Uh, for a while, and then we'll see what happens. We'll see if they regress to their norm or not. But I'm going to keep playing them uh, probably for the next couple of weeks or so unless they suddenly go bad because I think I can pick up maybe 67% win rate for a couple of weeks. That'd be pretty good. Do you think Girardi deserved to be fired? Yeah. Why? Yeah, he's too set in his ways. Um he just won't budge off his ways. And one of it, one of them is, is he uh, he absolutely steadfastly will not pitch a relief pitcher three days in a row, ever. Um, but what if the first two days are difficult and you're in a situation where you kind of need your best guy out there yeah. in the third game? I, I mean, you've got to be flexible as a manager. And the team was playing dead anyway, so make a change. Sounds like sometimes it's a good idea. You can't fire the whole team, so do the shakeup where you can make the shakeup, and that's in the managerial position. It sounds like one of the things at least Bryce Harper said, and it was it was taken as a shot at Girardi was uh, with a guy like Bryson Stott, who obviously has thrived since Girardi got fired. Uh, that you just you just put him in the lineup and let him play, and Girardi wouldn't do that. Yep. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, so we get the interim manager. And Maybe he can work himself into the full-time job. I think Madden might be next on the list. 
I think well, they're playing they're they're playing horrible baseball, but I'm not sure. Maybe this is what they were, and it's just all happening happening yeah. at once, and they're a 500 team. Yeah, this this roster's too good for that. And enough with the dressing up like Squid or whatever the silly stuff he does on road trips. Um, <laughs> go out there and play baseball. Obviously, he can't do anything about a Trout going into a big slump. I mean, 0 for 26 is the worst stretch of his career, but he has mis hit, mis the bullpen all year long, and. And I just think it's time for a change. He hasn't won here, okay? He won with the Cubs. That was seven years ago, six years ago. And then is not now. Do we play into and along with this Angels losing streak? Do we do it today, though, Syndergaard and Waka? Yeah, why not? Okay. I mean, if you've already been playing it. I mean, if you played the Phillies this weekend, it means you played against the Angels and won all three yeah. bets. May as well keep doing it. The most you can do is give back one. Did you play anything else today? I thought the uh, the number on the Seattle and Houston game is interesting. Man, Robbie Ray was so good last year. He just hasn't had it this year, but he's plus 150 today. He can't get away from the big inning. He's had, like, one bad inning every game. And Javier's pitching really well for Houston. So, yeah, I think the Astros are on the right side there. Um, I think the uh, over might be playing the Arizona-Cincinnati game if they get the game in. Um, there's some weather issues there. But Bumgarner's... ERA is pretty phony. He hasn't been very good. Green gets a ton of strikeouts, but everything else he does is mediocre without going into all the uh, breakdowns. He's just not very good. So I think you could see some runs, particularly early in that game. Uh, I like the over first five innings there. Dave Kokins with us, wagertalk.com. Of course, uh, DC and the Sunshine Man show. Uh, Dave, I have a feeling I know what this is. I'm going to lob it up so you can freaking crush it out of the park on me. Would you ever not play an event? because you were uncomfortable with where the money is coming from with the uh, LIV, the Saudi-backed London tournament this week? I don't know. I've never been in a position like that, so I okay. can't answer it. So uh, if you yeah, see a good number if you see a good number here, you're just going to play? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'll handicap the tournament like any other tournament. Um, I, all I can tell you is if, if a Saudi Arabian investor uh, came to me and said, uh, I, I want to uh, give you a million dollars a year, to uh, do a radio show for me, I'd probably do it. Adam, what would you do? I'll take it. You would take it too. I'll take it right now. Right. Not gonna lie. Yeah. It's easy. It's very easy to sit and say I would never do that when right. the offer isn't there. Yeah, we pointed out another another PGA golfer was getting on uh, Kevin Nan. It's like, bro, they didn't offer you, so you don't have to make the decision, do you? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really easy to, to lash out in this case. Um, you made a suggest now that the uh, coaching searcher VGK is dragged onto four weeks here. You made a suggestion about maybe uh, bringing back a, a Vegas connected dude. Yeah, I, I, Glenn Gonson's actually uh, made a mistake in my my tweet because he had two head coaching jobs. He had the Dallas job and then Calgary, where he had no chance. They were a terrible team when he took them over. But he's got the obvious Las Vegas ties with the Wranglers. Uh, he's gotten a lot of high profile looks these playoffs because he's basically the offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and he's young enough so that he's certainly got to get another head coaching job somewhere down the line. I think he's a candidate at this point. And, uh, you know, uh, is it going to be Barry Trotz? I, I, look, if, if Trotz is available and if this is the job he wants, that's fine. Uh, and you might say the same thing about a couple of the other guys. But uh, I think Gully's the guy that I'd take a look at. I mean, he's, he's enhanced his profile with Edmonton. And he had success here. I know it was in the ECHL, but he liked the city, and the city liked him. So, yeah, I think he's someone that should be at least interviewed. 
Dave, I'm sorry I cut you short a little bit this week because we were ranting and raving about the Kevin Na stuff and the Saudi Golf League. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You got it, guys. Take care. There he is. Dave Koken, wagertalk.com. Check out all of his stuff at wagertalk.com and at Dave Koken.